Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen, and remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. This Today is an episode I have wanted to do since I first even thought about launching this podcast. I am so excited to introduce Ralph Barcy, Global Sales Development Leader for ServiceNow. Ralph leads a team of sales development reps that fuels the growth of what Forbes magazine recently decided is the most innovative company in the world. In the nearly three years Ralph has led the global SDR team at ServiceNow, they've seen 380% growth. He's added 14 offices around the globe, increased headcount over 100%, and creates the pipeline that fueled last year's revenues that were over $1.93 billion. This year, growth is not slowing down, and it's going to stay over 30% growth as Ralph and his team help keep this market leader well in front of the pack. Ralph, my man, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I am as fired up as you are, Rob. Thanks for having me. No, this is this is one Ralph Ralph and I for the listeners, we go way back. We met on a panel at Rainmaker Conference. True. And uh and I'm used to carrying my weight when I speak on panels at, at sales conferences like that and Ralph owned me, okay? Owned me. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so we've become friends since then and I've watched what you've done. This is going to be a great episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you start Ralph by just introducing to our listeners ServiceNow and what you do for them? Oh, happy to. So, uh, so first of all, we'll start with ServiceNow. So ServiceNow provides businesses with cloud services that really make daily routine tasks very easy. So we started by helping IT teams in particular, and we've since broadened the scope into pretty much every business unit across the enterprise. And when I say we make daily routine tasks easy, I'm talking you know, it's a hassle just to change your work laptop's password or order an ergonomic chair for your office or find the latest on your company's benefits plans. So what we've done is we've found a way to streamline those processes, drive a self-service environment, and it's exciting to be here. Yeah, you guys do some crazy things. It's What's so cool about your company right now, Ralph, is not only are you one of the big boys and you guys are, are big and servicing a large number of customers around the world, but you've you found a way to stay the most innovative and one of the fastest growing. And the theme of our show is about fast, high growth. And high growth doesn't have to mean you're a small startup. You, you guys are a mature company that you've stayed in high growth mode. Let's jump right there. How do you as a sales leader help keep a big boy mature company in high growth mode. Oh, wow. So I would say that you have to do, you have to do things that don't really mean scaling in order to scale. So what I mean by that is it means that we serve some of the biggest logos on the planet. It means parachuting into that business and sitting down knee to knee with users and with customers going through the daily challenges that they're experiencing on a regular basis and solving those miniature problems for them 
and stacking up the solutions so that over time you've created this comprehensive holistic solution for their business. And that in turn, when you develop the right processes that are going to fix even the smallest of problems, now you're operating at scale before you know it. And so we've taken that approach and you asked earlier and I forgot to address it. What I do for service now, I oversee our global sales development organization. We're sitting at the top of the funnel. We are, you know, leaving the first impression for the most part uh, on many prospective minds, prospective customers' minds. And we do that by finding out what problems they're running into on a daily basis and then beginning the dialogue to start fixing those mini problems until we're fixing problems for the entire company. And we just translate what the company has been doing since its inception. Mm. Yeah. So, so I love it. I'm glad that you shared what you do because that top of the funnel is you're right. I love how you said that you make the first impression. Does, does that weigh into what you do with your team as you share role with them? First impression. How does that, how does that, how does that weigh into what their role is and what you train them about? Yeah, big time. It, it, it is a, a determining factor in how we recruit. Uh, we're constantly investing in top talent and we're looking for the characteristics and attributes of people who can understand human psychology and have very, uh, very productive conversations that solve problems for people. And we want to take a white gloved approach to even the smallest of I guess, revenue opportunities because we don't, you know, it doesn't matter to us that we want to make sure that we are truly serving the marketplace right down to the very, you know, user to user experience. So it's important. We do, we, uh, we pepper that into how we're recruiting, interviewing, hiring, onboarding, so on and so forth, because we firmly believe in our twofold objective. We're driving revenue pipeline for the business, but we're also driving a people or talent pipeline. So we want to bring in the best from the outset, develop their competencies and skills while they're in the sales development organization so that ultimately they become Jedi salespeople when they get graduated or promoted into the account executive ranks. So you're in the business of creating Jedis. This is yeah. good. Yeah, so, absolutely. So you're their Obi-Wan Kenobi then. Okay? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, that's where we're going because you already know I believe this. I, I, you are one of what I think is the model of what awesome looks like as a sales leader. When oh, I think please. of sales leaders, I think of you. I've told you that before. I've told others that before. So as I look at you, you've created this big growth. You're in a really tremendous space. You have, because you do so many things, you have tons of competitors, right? Sure, sure, sure. How now do you bring these people in? You're doubling the size of your, your team. You're matching, you know, what's going on with the AEs. How are you bringing these people in and creating Jedis relatively quickly? Because you can't, you can't be too patient, I would imagine. No, you can't. Uh, you do have to move fast uh, and you have to be nimble and you have to be flexible. And you also have to have an open mind knowing that, Change is coming tomorrow as well as the next day, as well as the next. But I think if you know that kind of going into it, you can do almost pre-mortems, you know, and take a look at the next week or the next quarter or the next year, you know, starting to anticipate, okay, what challenges might surface this year and who do we have in terms of resources on our team uh, to handle these challenges and who don't we have? What, what, where are the gaps that we need to fill and how would we do it? So having that mindset going into every day and every opportunity really, really helps. But in terms of 
attracting the talent. That's really what our focus is on. We don't, we're not into pursuing the talent. We're into attracting the talent. Mm. And there's a big difference between the two. So we want to make sure that we're casting a big, bright bat signal, if you will, into the sky by way of our brand. And that's our company brand. It's my brand. It's the brand of our leaders. And it's the brand of our account development reps across the globe. We want to make sure that we're representing the company, the global sales development organization, and ourselves with the highest standards. And people start to hear about that in the marketplace and in the ecosystem that are not yet working with us. And it's attractive. They want to work with people who want to win. They want to work with people who want to really serve the marketplace and serve their customers. And they want to be part of that collective effort. So, so now, that's, that's how we're doing it. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm really into the bat signal right now. Okay? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I, 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 I'm really into the bat signal. Yep. So, how do you do that, man? Because I think you've got everybody's attention on that. I don't think anybody wants to get average people. I think everybody wants to get the very best people. It's a competitive place. How do you fire up that freaking bat signal? Yeah, well, uh, let's talk about branding for a minute, which I just mentioned. You know, uh, if I am, if, if a specific company or role appeals to me, I'm going to do my due diligence and I'm going to measure twice and cut once before I throw my hat in the ring. And while I'm doing my due diligence and I'm learning about the company, one of the things I really want to learn is who am I going to be working for? Who's going to be my leader that I'm reporting to? Where can I learn about her or learn about him? And when I have a hard time finding them online, for example, or if I do some back channeling and I'm trying to ask people who are connected to them about them and I'm having a hard time even finding those connections, it actually says a lot about the organization I'm about to get into. That is super insightful. I'm sorry I just cut you off, dude. Yeah. I, well, I, haven't, I hadn't thought about that as a reason for, as a leader, your brand uh, is important to sign the bat signal off. I, that's really insightful. Dude, big time. You know, I mean, people go where they're celebrated, not where they're tolerated. Ooh. And so you want to go to a place where you're going to be celebrated for the strengths and skills that you're going to bring to the table. And we hear often, hey, people leave, don't leave managers. They don't leave organizations. Well, it's the same reason people go to organizations. It's because of those leaders. I love it. Okay, so now we're getting into, I think, what's going to be a really critical part of this conversation. So you're, you're developing Jedis, and to do it, you got to get the right, uh, you got to get the right Padawan learners. You got to get these people to come and want to come to you, bring the right talent so that you can do stuff with it. Yeah. You've created now this place that when you get them, you've shared with me some of the success, success stories on just how successful you've created this environment where people can win. Yeah. You know, as you look at this blueprint that you've made, I know that you haven't been, you know, accidentally successful. I know that you're not accidentally successful. You're intentionally successful. What goes into the blueprint after you fired the bat signal off and you get these people saying, Ralph, I got, I, I want what you're laying down. What goes into that blueprint for making a place where your people can become Jedis? Well, I will do my best to give you a concise answer, Rob. That's a big, <laughs> big question. Nice. Uh, I'll try to get very specific as well. So with respect to my remit and my oversight, it's critical that I create an environment and a culture that pulls people towards the goal versus pushes them towards the goal. Mm. And it's also equally critical, if not more critical, to create systems to get people to those targets. I'm a big fan of the quote from Scott Adams. 
He's the cartoonist who did Dilbert. He's a blogger, a writer. And I say this over and over again, that losers have goals. Winners have systems. Oh, I so, love that. you know, the Golden State Warriors, I'm a huge fan of. It's where I'm from. It's my neck of the woods. Yes, the team with the best players typically wins, right? Yep. And they're going to set out at the start of their NBA season wanting to win the championship. But if they just threw wanting to win the championship on the whiteboard and then went home, you know, the likelihood of them hitting that target is low. So they implement systems where, you know, we've got MVPs like Steph Curry doing the exact same warm-up drill on a daily basis before every game. Yep. Uh, and he's doing the fundamentals. He's doing the bounce pass. He's doing the double dribbles. He's doing whatever he needs to do to ensure success or at least the likelihood of success. That's what we're trying to create for the reps that we seek. And how we do it here is, for example, even in the recruiting phase, when we're interviewing viable candidates, we're showing them as best we can what a well-lit career path looks like for them. That if they achieve these specific milestones in these specific time periods, the probability or likelihood of them earning an opportunity to get promoted into the field is much higher. So when they get here, we'll make sure that it's a two-way street. Not only are they putting skin in the game, but we as an organization are making our investment and putting skin in the game as well. So we'll create a sales development university. And that university, for example, will focus on the core competencies that our sales development reps need to be very successful, not only in their existing role, but in subsequent roles so that we can prepare them to produce fast should they earn that promotion. Love we will, we produced an internal YouTube channel, if you will, that we call global sales development TV or GSD TV. And yep. that ensures that everybody in the organization across the 14 offices you mentioned are on message and on point and having the same, or at least trying to create the same awesome five-star experience for prospective customers when they have them on the phone. We have an ADR sales playbook. We call them ADRs here versus SDRs. Got so it. We have a playbook to make sure that everybody is on message as well from a print standpoint. And, you know, we've got scripts and templates and all that jazz. And so it's, it's laying those types of bricks for our people that ensures that success you're talking about. Dude, this is sweet. You know, I love this quote. I'm going to push pause for a second and come back because I appreciate you giving me a, a, a chance to dig in a little bit. Losers have goals. Winners have systems. Every single sales leader that's listening to this has a goal. Every sales rep will have a goal. Uh, how many of them have systems? I, I, I want everybody to think about that. Write that down and say how many of us really have a system. Ralph, how hard is it to, to build a system? Really hard. It's really hard. It? How do you do it? Uh, you do it with the basics, Rob. Uh, focus, massive action, uh, having that goal pinned up in front of your face on a daily basis so that you know that every second of the day that you have planned serves that greater goal and that greater initiative that you're, that you're, you're heading towards. And when you're sharing that at scale, you have a collective effort and everybody knows which way north is. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big follower and fan and have been for a very long time of the late coach John Wooden from UCLA. Yep. And in his time coaching the UCLA Bruins, he never talked about winning, never talked about 
the scoreboard, never talked about where we want to be at the end of the season. Instead, he focused on each individual player optimizing and making sure that they were giving as much value as they individually could to the collective effort. And so that's why building those systems is so imperative because you have to take into account all the skill sets and competencies that your organization is comprised of. And that's really challenging. So, so I'm going to stay on here for a second because I think that you're on to something that is more important than maybe a lot of people realize. And it's clearly important because it's one of the first things you brought up in our conversation today. Mm -hmm. So I can see some people saying, okay, Rob, that's awesome. You know, good for Ralph. He's on this massive company. He's got all these resources and tools and he can build systems. What about me that is a smaller company that's just trying to figure stuff out? Do they need systems and how do they do it? <laughs> well, that's the, that's the secret. You know, uh, let's say you're part of a massively huge company. You have to act as if you're just starting out. You cannot yes. forget where you came from ever. Yes. And so I've got 175 people in my organization and I'm not trying to wave a flag of like, Hey, I've got this huge organization, but it's even more challenging for me to actually get to personally know every individual in my organization. So I'm on airplanes all year long, sitting face to face with every ADR on our team to get to know something about them. Because when they hit those rough patches or aren't hitting their numbers, but we see the potential and we, we know we could just make a two degree tweak and they're right back on the path. Unless I know them and unless our leaders know the people, we're going to have a hell of a time as a team making those quick adjustments. So you actually have to act as if you're a team of five versus a team of 500 or 5,000. Love it. And so given that, I, I hope that we have people saying, okay, I got to figure out these metrics. Are you one of those believers that success leaves clues? And, and, and if that's the case, how do, you, how do you use that to build systems? Well, first of all, you got to be looking for the clues, right? I mean, okay. If, if you're okay. not looking for, uh, you know, if you're not looking to buy a boysenberry colored BMW, <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to see them driving all over the road when you're, when you're on the street. So you have to be looking for the clues that success is leaving. And that requires you to constantly try to improve your game. You know, there's a, there's podcasts like this one. There are books like, you know, Wooden on Leadership, talking about Coach John Wooden. Yep. It goes on and on. And if you're not looking for the answers and trying to sharpen your skills by using them, uh, you're so far behind it's not even funny. Okay. This is, this is huge. And I, and now I, I, you know me well enough. I would stay on this for a while, but I am already looking at time saying, man, I'm going to have to be careful on time because there's another topic I want to get to. So sure. this is a good starter. One, I've heard you speak. We've spoken together. Every time I get a chance to hear you, I always make sure I'm in the room when you're speaking. Okay. Oh, the man. last time that I was in the room when you were speaking, you had a blueprint for what led to success. It was at uh, Max Altshuler's Revenue Summit. Great event. Everybody sure. should, should watch, go attend those events. I'm not going to go into all of it, but I want to start on one, and if we have time, we can go to the rest. My favorite bullet point on what led to success for a group, you've got to do the work. And yeah. I'm, you've got to be willing to do the work. I'm saying it wrong, but I, I love saying, why don't more people emphasize willingness to do the work? Because I think too many people look for tools and systems as Silver bullets. I don't think they're silver bullets. Can you talk about that? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, oh man, I hate to keep referencing Coach Wooden, but I'm going no, to. Do it. Do it. Before I let you, let me tell you why. We name every one of our conference rooms after famous coaches because we're a coaching company. Our biggest conference room is the Wooden Room. So get um, out of here. I didn't yep. know that. Yep. So you and hopefully your listeners are familiar with his pyramid of success. Yep. Well, the two cornerstones at the bottom of the pyramid are industriousness and enthusiasm. And those are two cornerstones that provide the foundation that ultimately builds the skyscraper that you and your organization are trying to build. So industriousness, it's a solo effort, dude. It, it's, you know, the work is not going to get done if you're staying in bed. It requires you to be fully engaged, totally focused, and immersed in the smallest of tasks. It's not about clocking in and clocking out. It's about building brick by brick and getting towards the ultimate goal. And when you're not industrious and you're not enthusiastic about the work that you're doing, it, it's never going to be accomplished straight up. And it, when you demonstrate it as a leader and you lead by example and people see you in the office first, out of the office last, uh, you know, corresponding and responding to people quickly and with actionable items for them to take and apply immediately, um, you're going to build a collective effort and your effort alone will be very infectious. And what true leaders are trying to do is create more leaders. So yes. the, the more you can lead by example, the more leaders you will create in the process who will then pay it forward. And guess what? Everybody wins when you're, when you're taking that approach. I've seen it over and over in my experience. I've been blessed to have awesome leaders that I've worked with and learned from. And I'm doing my part in trying to pay this stuff forward because they taught me how to do it. How do you make sure that when you're getting people on the team that, that you have people that are willing to do the work? Because you know how the interview process, people will say whatever they think they got to say. Yeah. I, I imagine you can't say, hey, are you a hard worker or are you lazy as hell? I'm sure you can't say that. How do you find people that are willing to do the work, Ralph? Well, first, you know, if you're getting to know someone, Rob, you want to ask them to show them your work. You know, a lot of job descriptions yep. ask for a proven track record. Well, if a, if a candidate comes in to interview with me, I said, I said, well, I presume you have a proven track record. It's one of the requirements <laughs> we're looking for. Let's see your proven track record. Show me some of your work. And ideally, I want them to actually pull paperwork out of their briefcase to go, I would love to show you about, look, here's what I did at this company. These are some challenges we ran into and how we overcame them. As a result, I did A, B, and C. And it worked out really well. C didn't so much, but A and B did. Like, I, that's like, show me the work. Yeah. That's how you find those people. What about when they're on your team? Have you ever found uh, that that willingness to do the work? Because I think that the hardest thing, I think you can coach most things, but work ethic to me is one of the harder ones to coach, right? Totally. Uh, um, what's your approach? How, when you see that happening, how patient are you with that? Um. I'm not too patient uh, with it. You know, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of people who say they're going to do something and then just don't do it Yep. and don't tell you why they're not doing it. Yep. Uh, I'm not a fan. This is me personally. 
you know, I don't, I don't know how you or other leaders. No, I, feel. I'm the same. That's why I asked the question. Is I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of people coming into the office, for example, and immediately grabbing that cup of coffee or the beverage, and you know, kind of chatting it up with the coworkers and talking about last night and you know tonight's game is this that or the other. I am a fan of the person who earns the right to do that stuff. So they've already banged out X number of dials. They've already fired off X number of emails. Uh, they've followed through on things that they talked about at the beginning of the week. You know, they plan their work, work their plan. They've executed against it. Uh, and then they have those talks. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. And I've seen, I've seen it all. I've seen the slackers come in who talked a big, big game during the recruiting effort, got a spot in, earned a role, and then just did not deliver. And then just didn't have a reason for why they weren't delivering when called on it. So I want to I want to shift again because I just I'm so sensitive to time and, and oh, I'm no, sorry man. no 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 this is what our listeners are going to hit me up say get him back on so I hope you know a few months from now you'll do this again with me right on uh, um, I I we're fine on time but I want to make sure that we address though because do the work make sure you get the, I, I I'm with you when I see someone that it's a work ethic challenge I found that leopards don't change their spots very often yeah. And, uh, and that's a hard one to coach out. I, I can coach all kinds of stuff, but that's a hard one. So I, yep. and I've also found, tell me your experience on this before we shift, the, the work ethic thing is contagious either way, right? If you got people that are fired up, the people around them will be fired up. If you got Fred Flintstone that when five o'clock hits, it's yabba dabba do, and yeah. they slide down that dinosaur and they're out. Yeah. Guess what? It's five minutes later, the rest are out too. Yeah, you know, a lot of people throughout my career have, have come to me or even my leaders saying, hey, you know what, tell me what an A player looks like. What does an A player do? And my response is always, you know the answer to this. Why are you asking me? You know exactly what an A player looks like. We all know who they are in our lives because we're watching them. And a lot of people forget that whether they like it or not, they're setting an example. I don't know if it's a good one or a bad one, but... I want to make sure that everybody knows, regardless of how you run your day, people are watching. They may not tell you what they think or, uh, you know, shed light and say you might want to think about doing it this way or that way. They might say nothing. But at the end of the day, man, you're still setting an example. So you might as well set a great one. I love it. Okay, so I want to shift to a place that we didn't really maybe expect to go, but, I, but you, your story is so awesome, Ralph. I guarantee you that in the two and a half years you've been there driving one of the most visible success stories in sales, it hasn't all been a bed of roses. There has to have been challenges. Hmm. What is, would you say, is one of the bigger challenges you faced and how did you attack it? Oh, goodness. Um... You know, I've learned that people are a lot like tuning forks. And for those not familiar with a tuning fork, it looks kind of like a wishbone. And it's usually made of aluminum or metal, some type of metal. And it's tuned to a certain frequency. It could be the key of E or the key of D, for example. And when somebody pings that tuning fork, a room full of tuning forks will stay silent except for the tuning forks that are tuned to the same frequency. They'll start to vibrate as well. People are the exact same way. So I may walk into a company like ServiceNow and I'm trying to cast the bat signal and I'm trying to talk about industriousness and enthusiasm and the collective effort and being pulled towards the goal. It's going to resonate with a, a majority of the team who are tuned to the same frequency as me, but there is always 
a block of people who just aren't buying it. They're yep. not down with my approach, my style, my story. They don't, they don't think my branding effort of the company or myself in the, in the ecosystem to attract more talent is the way to go. And so they immediately want to, you know, give me flack, poke holes in the game, et cetera. They're the naysayers, the haters, whatever you want to call them. They're everywhere. And that has been the biggest challenge for me because from my heart, Rob, as you know, I want the very best for everybody in my organization. I want to remove obstacles so that their skills and strengths and gifts shine and that they can move forward and move their company forward. And not everybody believes me, <laughs> you know, and that, that's something I can't control all the time. And it's a, it's a real frustrating drag, but it's also reality. So, so what do you do? I mean, that's, that's a really great challenge. What, what do you do? Again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. You know, it reminds me of a quote from Abraham Lincoln where he says, I don't like that person. I must get to know them better. Love it. That's such a great quote, man. Say it, one more time. Say it one more time so everybody gets it. Yeah, I don't like that person. I must get to know them better. Yeah, that's good. And if you're genuine, they'll feel it. Hopefully. Hopefully they will. That's the aim. And so I'll do what I can do. Press pause and focus on that one or few individual people and get to know like what's making them tick. What's their why? What is their purpose? What are they trying to accomplish short, mid, long-term? How can we as an organization or me as a person try to help them get to where they're trying to go? And I've been successful with that effort, kind of taking it to, you know, the individual level, not a hundred percent of the time, but uh, it's definitely worth, it's worth the attempt. I, uh, I love this, Ralph. I've written so many notes. If I was to boil this down into four things, I want to see if you think I got it right. You you talked about culture, you know, pull rather than pushing to the goal. Uh, You talked about systems. You talked about industriousness and you just now got done talking about what I'm labeling authenticity, uh, you know, in your genuine uh, interest in your, in your team. I, is that a pretty good summary of kind of what you think has led to a lot of your success? Yeah, it's pretty solid, man. I appreciate that very much. Uh, but yeah, those are some, those are some core components that drive me on a minute by minute basis. I would throw one more in there and that's gratitude. Talk about it. Well, I think everybody needs to develop their attitude of gratitude. And, you know, it starts with not thinking about yourself. And it starts with thinking about all the people or even just the one or two people that made sacrifices in their lives to help move you forward and to help bring out the best in you. And just being mindful of who those people were and delivering as a result. Secondly, it's just taking a look at the the world we live in and all the craziness that's going on and being grateful that, you know, as we speak, Rob, there are people in hospital beds who are just trying to make it through today. And, you know, I've got a glass of ice water with me here while I'm talking with you in case I feel parched. And there are people in the world that don't even have clean water. And so it's just being very cognizant and mindful of those essentials 
And when you think about that on a regular basis, you're not thinking about yourself anymore. <laughs> you're thinking about others. And when you can translate that into a sales development role, who's on the phones following up leads or prospecting into big, big logos that we've yet to engage, you, you have to keep in mind that there are people on the other end of that line. And, and that, that's all companies are. They're clusters of people who are going through, you know, the daily grind that most of us are going through. And when you're just aware of that and you can call some of that stuff out with them on the phone, that's, that, I mean, that's what makes the difference. That's what moves the whole team forward on your end and on their end. And I think that sets up one thing that I have to ask you, even though we've taken the time and I hope that you're okay because this is worth it for our listeners. I know you well enough, so I'm comfortable asking you this. Um, one of the things that I most think that you do well, you and I are very similar that we both are family men. Okay, yep, yep. You've done a remarkable job without neglecting or overlooking that important part of your life. Any thoughts around how you remain a great family guy while you're being a world-class sales leader? Oh, wow. I've just been, I've been blessed to get a good start. You know, I had a family who just told me I could do whatever I wanted to do, uh, you know, showed me uh, the fruits of really good labor and the industriousness that we've talked about earlier. And so I had leaders who led by example in my father, my mother, my grandparents, et cetera. And I just, you know, when I have my three boys and my wife, for example, on my watch, I'm going to, I'm going to lead by example as well. And I'm not going to let the people that came before me down at all. It's not going to happen. I think that that's something that we sometimes maybe overlook as being such a critical component of our nest, if you will. You know, that our triangle, our, our base that you talked about. I, I think having that personal side in order makes it so your professional side can really thrive. So, and I, and yeah, and I'd argue they're one and the same. I mean, they're the, the professional life and the, and the personal life must be in harmony. Love it. I think that that's a really good way to finish this conversation because you talked about gratitude and authenticity, and that's such an important of what makes a person who they are. So, okay, we're going to finish this the way I finish every single one, Ralph. One of the things that every sales leader that's been successful that I've ever met does is they thirst for finding, you know, how do I continue to improve? How do I get better? Mm. A source that most people use is they read things. What's something that you've read that you would suggest uh, our listeners add to their collection and that we put on our website for the library of high growth books? Oh, right on. What a great question. So uh, I just finished for the second time a book by Derek Sivers, S-I-V-E-R-S, and it's called Anything You Want. And he gives tremendous perspective on his entrepreneurial career and uh, the good that he's done in the world. And I would highly recommend Anything You Want by Derek Sivers. And I would just take it a step further. Uh, if you go to ralphbarcy.com forward slash reads, R-E-A-D-S, that's a list of books that I recommend you invest in immediately. Well, that's, that's uh, how we'll finish this interview is how do our listeners get more of you? You know, how do they get more of you, more service now? There, there's going to be a lot of people that say, I love what you put down. Jepson, why are you limiting it to 35 minutes? <laughs> how do they get more of you, man? Well, I appreciate it, Rob. And I, and I do hope that at least one nugget of value was, was left for people today. And I appreciate everybody investing time to listen to the two of us. Best way to find me is uh, on LinkedIn. It's, 
It's LinkedIn, Ralph Barcy. And I'm saying that because it's really important that you customize and personalize your own LinkedIn URL so people can find you. Uh, on Twitter, it's at rbarcy. And then, as I mentioned, I've got a blog, ralphbarcy.com. Uh, say hello when you stop by. Don't just, uh, you know, follow, but say something and, you know, let, let's get to know one another. And your blog is worth following. I follow it. You have some great stuff that you put out there. I'd, I'd love to encourage our, our listeners to, to get that a look. So Cool. Thanks, Rob. Hey, you've been amazing. This has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you stopping by and, and dropping some insights to our, our listeners. It's been fantastic. He is the tickler of the tuning fork, the developer of the Jedi, and most of all, the bearer of the boysenberry. He's got a bat signal shining in the sky near you, the global leader of sales development for ServiceNow, Ralph Barzi. Ralph, my friend, thanks so much for joining us. You've been epic. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the So What portion of this episode where we break things down and we answer the question, why did that interview even matter? I hope you loved Ralph. I hope that you were as excited and impressed with what he had to share as I was. I thought he brought the heat. I thought he brought some serious fire, and I hope you took some notes. This is one that you're going to want to go back and listen to again. And I'm not going to try and, and summarize everything. I'm going to simplify his blueprint, which I thought was awesome. He starts with a focus on this white glove approach to sales, not white glove approach to customer service or success, white glove to sales. And he called it a five-star sales experience, if you remember. And to do it, a lot of insight comes out when he shares what his twofold mission is. Mission one is to build the pipeline. You know, it's a big company, one of the biggest, and it's a fast-growing company, one of the fastest. Those two levers make for a big challenge. He doesn't run from it. He acknowledges it. But mission two is how he gets there. Mission two is the people development part. He's a student of Coach John Wooden. I, I would recommend that you check that book out. Ralph talked about it several times. He's not our first guest to talk about Coach Wooden. And what I love is how he says, I've got to help us build the next generation of Jedis. Not proficient, not successful, freaking Jedis. And to do it, it starts with making sure you get the right people. And he says, I attract the talent. I don't pursue it. That mindset is so good. Are you casting a bat signal into the sky like he is? He wants it to be the north freaking star seen around the world, right? Not this little halogen that you turn on and off. And to do it, that's why your brand matters as a leader. It's not a vanity metric. Yeah, it could be really helpful to, to be able to help with the sales process on some key deals. But honestly your network is going to be really, really helpful for a recruiting perspective. So make sure that you've got that brand where people are saying, I want some of what he has or she has to offer. And remember that people want to be celebrated. And so make sure you have that kind of a brand where winning is celebrated and, and you're associated with big things. Now, once you get those next generation of Jedis on board, he gave us five steps on how you create those Jedis. Step one was about culture. You got to create a, an environment and culture that pulls towards goal rather than push. Okay, you don't want to dictate. You want to celebrate. And there were a lot of things that went into that whole conversation around how you create that culture where people are really pulled towards what matters. Do you have that well lit pathway that he talked about more than once? That takes us to number two. The saying for this one: Losers create goals. Winners create systems. So point two, create systems, not goals. 
are you creating systems? I love how he talked about that. Um, one of my mentors wrote a book called Hope is Not a Strategy, Rick Page. And he talks about to win, you need more than hope. Okay? We're paid to be not lucky. We're, we're paid to be good. And systems are what get us that way. It allows us to create that well-lit uh, career path and sales path by having the right milestones. It helps us know what tools we need to have to equip people for success. It allows us to know what bricks we need to build so you can have that five-star experience. But most important, he talks about how hard it is to build systems, and that's why most don't do it. He gave us five things. It was focus, massive action, prioritization, collaboration, and celebration. And ultimately, does every member of your team know which way north is? Okay? And your best bet is act like a startup. Keep reinventing. Reinvent, reinvent, reinvent. <clears throat> There's a lot of things that go into systems, but I think that one of the highlights to me was it's a hallmark and it's built on a foundation of looking for the clues. Are you finding that boysenberry BMW? And um, I, I loved that comment for a lot of reasons. Average organizations run from metrics. World-class ones run to them. If you want to be a one percenter, if you want to be one of the best sales leaders and have one of the best sales orgs, you're going to have to run to metrics, okay, and, and use them to help build systems. Number three was my favorite of the five, though. Number three is you got to do the work, okay? He talks about industriousness and enthusiasm. And so, you know, he says, I'm going, to re I'm going to go back to his quote, industriousness is a solo act if you're not fully engaged, totally immersed, and even in even the smallest tasks, you won't win straight up. So make sure that's your culture. All in, total immersion, and it starts with you. Okay, we're going to finish with that. But number four was authenticity. Uh, not the first leader to talk about that people don't want to buy their boss a Ferrari. Um, do your team really believe that you got their interest at heart? And the only way they know that is if you know them. Make sure that you know them. Are you prioritizing knowing them? Are you making that something that takes your time, is getting to know them? Are you tapping into their essence and their nests in your one-on-ones, okay? And make sure that you're pushing pause and focusing on the individuals. Know their whys, know their purposes, know their goals, and make sure you're removing obstacles so their gifts can shine. And finally, he made sure we added the attitude of gratitude, okay? He is so thankful to the people who helped him succeed. It fuels him and his need and desire to help those around him succeed. Every one of you can think of one or two people that were instrumental in your career success. Be that person to as many as you can, and that's what will drive your success. I hope you loved it. I hope you found just how genuine he was. I think the best way to wrap it up is he said, you're setting an example. It might as well be a good one. Your reps are watching what you say. Leadership is what you do and what you tolerate. Make sure that you're setting an example that's based on those five things. And what will happen? Two things. Your bat signal will shine brighter than you might ever imagine. And you'll have a better ability to make the personal and professional be unified as one. I hope you enjoyed listening to Ralph. I hope you found it helpful. I hope you found it inspiring. And I would encourage you to follow him. You know, hit his blog, hit him on LinkedIn. He will give you uh, a lot more insights. He's a great guy to follow. I hope that this was a great episode for you. I would encourage you to go back and listen to them all. And give us feedback on, the, on uh, wherever you pull down your, your, your uh, podcast from. We love your feedback. We want those ratings. Um, and as we finish every time, remember, happy selling. Don't worry. Just execute. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast. 
your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at www.salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at www.exvoyant.com.